We have two dogs in our home. Aria is a two-year-old puppy who definitely needs help with her portions. And Nala is a 10-year-old dog who is living a great life and we want to keep feeding her well so she can hang in there with us for a lot longer. The farmer's dog makes it easy to keep them healthy, which can give you more quality years with them. The farmer's dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. It's recommended by vets, nutritionally balanced and made from human-grade ingredients in safe, clean kitchens. It's the best option for dogs at all life stages. It doesn't matter if your dog is young or old. It's always the right time to begin investing in their health, helping you live more healthy, happy, and full years together. You can get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash vanished. Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use our code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. Hey, Tenderfoot listeners, Dennis Cooper here. If you're a fan of Culpable, then you know we normally focus on one case for an entire season, like the season one case of Christian Andriacchio and the season two case of Brittany Stikes. As I continue working on season three, I'll be using this platform to help more families in their fight for justice. Last fall, I brought you six cases over six weeks. Now, I'm bringing you five more. From Tenderfoot TV, another installment of Culpable Case Review comes May 17th, Check out this clip. So she jumped over her friend into the driver's seat, hit the gas. Her foot did not let off the gas. She hit a mailbox. I think she rolled into a tree. And she was already dead. From Tenderfoot TV, Culpable Case Review is coming May 17th. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus for early access and ad-free listening. Learn more at tenderfootplus.com. Like I've said from day one, my goal is to solve this thing. And with the real-time nature of this investigation, I feel like it's important to keep an open discussion about the case. Today I'll be playing some of your questions from the voicemail line. Just a heads up, we got a crazy amount of calls since the last episode. We were only able to answer a few of them today. But don't worry, I have personally listened to all of them. So if you don't hear your question today, I will try to answer it in a future episode very soon. If you haven't called our voicemail line yet, and you'd like to, you can dial us at 770-545-6411. In today's Q&A episode, Maurice Godwin is here with me, and he'll be answering some of your questions. So the guy that killed himself, who wrote this suicide letter, is it possible that the reason that he was acting funny wasn't because he had a traumatic brain injury in the crash that he had, but rather the crash that he had involved the killer's in an attempt to to kill this guy, resulting in his car crash. And he becomes a recluse because of this incident with potential killers. I don't know. Just thought. Well, he was bipolar and it was off his medicine. Oh, yeah, he was bipolar and he was off his medication. And he had been bullied. He was overweight in high school. He had been bullied. Hey, Payne. My name is Colleen. I'm a listener from Atlanta. 
I was just wondering about the emails that Tara had sent to her ex-boyfriend's mom because I feel like he could be the one that's responsible, especially if she was, in fact, pregnant. Um, Love the show. Can't wait to hear the next episode. Thanks. Bye. Do you think it's possible that she could have been pregnant? I don't think so. I don't think Tara was pregnant. Uh, Not from what I found in the bathroom. And and also from what I didn't find in the bathroom. What did you find and what did you uh, not find? Well, I didn't find any pregnancy tests in the bathroom. And the doctor's appointment was for a sinus infection. And it wasn't what people were thinking about uh, going to check out for pregnancy. Um, I don't think she was pregnant. I think that she made somebody very mad in a threat. And they took care of it. Like a threat? To expose something or some type of threat. To tell somebody something or to expose something. I think that she threatened somebody. And I, I feel, based on what I've I've known the last 11 years, stuff, she had the edge to her if you pushed her too far. And and, and I think she, had a, she threatened somebody about something. And they got scared and they turned on her. And then... Afterward, after, from that time forward, just as soon the, the murder happened, they, they did a process to cover this thing up. Hi, Payne. My name is Liz, and I'm a listener in Atlanta. And these are some of the questions that I have right now about the podcast. The first is to Marcus and the fact that his alibi really doesn't check out, unless I am not understanding it. But to my knowledge, you called for those records, and it looks like, he was doing the drive along at like 3 or 4 a.m., not during the time that we feel like Tara disappeared. So to me, it seems like he could still be guilty and that at the time, people didn't look into his alibi enough. So that's my first question. And my second question is the business card that HD put in her front door, um, was that a a straight-up business card, or was that one of the cards that police hand you, like, every time they pull you over? Not that I would know anything about getting speeding tickets, but those cards that they have where they use them all the time. So to me, that doesn't seem as formal and rigid as what we are considering to be a a business card in her front door. Okay, the business card was his his, uh, detective business card from Prairie uh, Police Department. So it wasn't one of these informal things. It was, um, well, if a cop pulls you over, what she was talking about, you sh- they shouldn't be giving you a business card anyway. They give you the right. ticket to go to, uh, I mean, uh, that's unethical. But, Good doing business with you. Yeah. Yeah, you never want a, a female to call a cop like that. But, no, it was a, um, a detective business card from Perry. She had another question on there. The only problem about Harper, the only thing about that is, Tara got home about 11 o'clock, right? Right. He hooked up at 1.46 or 1.40, say 2 o'clock. Where was Tara between 11 and 2? Nobody knows. You see, in my opinion, she was already dead. What are you saying? I'm just asking a question. She wasn't in bed. She didn't go to sleep. She just didn't hang around the house. She left at some point. Well, see, here's the key thing is Dolly was an inside dog. Dolly was outside the whole time. So if Tara was going home, put on her pajamas, and supposed to watch a videotape, 
that's relaxing at home, right? After a full day, really, she, Dolly would have been inside. There's a possibility she, she put her inside, got a phone call, and put her back outside. But I, I doubt that. I, I, think the Dolly, I don't think Dolly ever went inside. So my question is, from 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock, where was Tara? We don't know. See, like I always said, that if it wasn't for Fletcher, Marcus Harper would be in serious trouble. But that time frame with Fletcher might not be as important as where was Harper from 11, you know, up... Uh, Even before he went to the bar. That's right. That's right, because where was she between 11 and, say, 2, if you think Harper did it? She wasn't just hanging around. Yeah, who's to say it was late in the night? It could have been right after she got home, or she never even could have got home. It could have been well, right after she left the barbecue. But everybody's always looked at it, that time frame, but it's, it's before the getting up with Fletcher is the concern. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all of that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Just an observation, not so much a question, but... Officer Dykes, wouldn't it make sense that if you wanted someone to think that you had not been in the house, that you would leave your card in the door and that if you didn't see the glove on the ground, perhaps it's because you were the one that dropped it. You've never mentioned whether or not his DNA was tested and whether it could have matched that glove. Well, the obvious question about people over the last 11 years to me about the card is why in the world would a guilty person leave their business card on the victim's front door? Well, that actually begs the question about the person who would do something like that would is using reverse psychology. Sure. They, they would want you to ask that question. Right. And say that that's stupid. Nobody would do that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. That's exactly right. Oldest trick in the book. Yeah, but people fall for it all the time here. Plus, you have to understand that he was asked to go there by Miss Faye, and he couldn't tell her no. I mean, I'm not I'm not implicating anyone, but it was the worst wellness check I've ever heard of. Hi, so I just binge listened, and something really struck me. You keep saying that uh, Heath Dykes drove an hour and 15 minutes, but how do we know that? How do we know... 
where he was. I mean, if it was that late at night, unless her mom was with Heath at the time, she probably would have called him. Is it possible he was a lot closer than uh, the narrative currently indicates? Uh, it's, it's possible. The problem is we don't have his cell phone ping ping records. Well, it really doesn't matter where he was at on Sunday night because the, the crime had already happened. So it really doesn't matter where he was at. Uh, uh, but, I mean, unless he was in the woods or around Irvine County, and I don't think that. that. Right. I mean, because really, I mean, it's not like the amount of time it took him to drive there makes him any any more guilty or less guilty. The crime was already done um, by the time he went there. And the reason why, you know, I even pointed that out in the first place is because I thought it was odd that someone would drive for that long and then not do very much when they got there. Well, his argument would be he didn't want to draw attention because it was married man. Right. But then again, with somebody at home with a car like that, the lights out and stuff, uh, being a detective for 10 years at that time and being involved with this person and known her since high school, you don't know that she's not uh, fell dead or something happened inside the house. So why not just make a little bit more effort to try to find out her status, right? Yeah. And then, um, I mean, if you called all day Sunday and cared about her, I wouldn't have to have her mother to ask me to go down and check on her. That's a good point. I just had a question uh, pertaining to Heath Dykes. Um, And maybe we don't have the call records, but if I was him and I was going to check on uh, Tara for her mom, First thing I would have done was called the mom after I checked her, checked on her to make sure, you know, that she knew, hey, I went ahead and checked on her and this is what happened. I knocked on the door. She didn't answer, whatever. So um, I don't know if we've talked to mom to see if, you know, she said anything or to at least validate that he Stikes actually called mom afterwards. Because if not, that's really strange. And also, too, he had Tara's number. So there should be a bunch of phone calls in the phone record stating or showing that he called her when he showed up to the house. Because, I mean, if you're knocking on the door, nobody's answering, you're checking in on her, and you know that mom's worried, you would think that he would call her at least and say, hey, you know, came to check on you, blah, blah, blah. And so when they checked her phone, too, that voicemail or whatever text should have shown up on her phone. Um, well, he did call her all day Sunday. But what's unusual about that situation is that nobody called the friends. Now, I don't know whether he called back Miss Faye back or not, but as far as I know, Sunday night, no one ever called any of her friends and say, hey, have you seen Tara? She's saying Heath Dykes never called anybody saying, have you seen Tara? I don't, I don't know of anybody that did. But he called her 20-plus times, but he didn't call any of her friends or anybody who knew her. No. You know, if you're really looking for somebody, maybe you'd... I, I've been calling her fourth cousins, man. <laughs> I would. I mean, you have to understand here, the dynamics are a little different there because there was a uh, there was a relationship, right? Right. It wasn't just doing a, 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 a favor for a friend to go check on somebody. You were treated like you're checking on your one of your parents, right? I don't think it was. So what do you make of that? Either uh, the worst welfare check I've ever heard of or... You knew what already happened. For me, the most suspicious thing is officer's car was found behind the house separately from the fire, and he is friends with Marcus. 
not to mention that Marcus has a shaky alibi. For me, everything's pointing that there's police involvement. Um, my question is, if Marcus was ever given a polygraph? Uh, Marcus took a private polygraph test. The polygrapher was hired by his attorney. He did not uh, agree to take a GBI one, and GBI does not accept private polygraphs. Did the GBI request a polygraph from, oh, yeah. you know, from their agency? Yeah, he turned it down, and um, so he got a private polygrapher. There's no reason why GBI is ready to go anytime. There's no excuse for Oh, there's the next day, right? He just took a private polygraph test. What were the results of that, though? I don't know. I emailed Harper's lawyer, but I never heard back from him. His, his daughter actually won to Paget that Saturday night. Really? Yeah. The lawyer's, he, he was at the Paget. That's it's just too small, man. Yeah. This, all this stuff is just too close. But it was Michael Lankford's uh, SUV that was behind Snapdragon the house. Uh, I think people, I mean, because there's obviously a ton of people in this case, so it's, it's confusing anyways, but people kind of confuse sometimes Sean Fletcher and Michael Lankford. They, they confuse HD and MH all the time. Yeah. There should, they should be a list, list made, like the map thing, of the major players in here. That's what I'm making right now. We recently updated the Up and Vanish website, and I've been posting some of the case documents I've found. And I'm currently putting together a clean map of all the major players in this case. Just go to upandvanish.com. Thanks for listening, guys. The next episode will come out on January 2nd. Happy holidays.